Good morning again, and welcome to Prairie View Christian Church. Thanks for joining us. If you can overlook my partially wet sleeve, I'd appreciate it. But with a character like Brian, you really want to make sure they get in deep to that water. So, we continue this morning in the Apostle Paul's second letter to Timothy, which is also his final letter in the New Testament. As Paul prepared for death, he wrote to encourage his friend and his fellow servant Timothy to persevere in his faith and his mission as he slogs through tough terrain. Timothy needed encouragement to stand firm against opposition from outside the church and to deal with troublemakers inside the church. Paul encourages Timothy by reminding him of his calling in Christ. By assuring him that he is not alone as a believer in Christ. And by challenging him to get back on the horse of following Christ. And then last, but certainly not least, Paul encourages Timothy to remember the reward of the gospel. The promise of life in Christ. Paul's hope is that these words would reignite Timothy's flame before it burns out. That he would get back on mission with power, love, and self-control from God. Rather than shying away in his own fear, timidity, or cowardice. And Paul's guidance to Timothy can be helpful to us as well. When we suffer, when we find ourselves discouraged in our faith and in our mission, it's easy to forget who we are in Christ. It's common to feel like we're alone as believers in Christ. It's tempting to throw in the towel and stop following Christ. And it's hard to keep focus on our eternal reward in Christ. Like Timothy, we may find our once bright, hot passion and motivation for the gospel dimming and cooling. Like Timothy, we who once obeyed and served Christ with boldness and courage may find ourselves feeling weak and intimidated. But we too must press on in our faith and our mission. Rather than sitting on the sideline, waving the white flag, or tapping out of the fight. Paul's words in verses 1 through 7 can help and encourage us as we keep going in our faith. But today we move ahead, reading 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 18. And these verses closely follow what we read last week. The first word of verse 8, therefore, gives us that clue. Paul's challenge to Timothy this Sunday springs out of his challenge from last Sunday. Verses 8 through 18 are a further development of verses 1 through 7. It's all an encouragement to persevere in our faith and mission in the face of suffering. But this week, Paul does get a bit more specific in the kind of suffering he's talking about. He's a little more direct about the temptation we face to give in. And for Timothy, and for us... The challenge is a bit more pointed. So open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. 
Feel free to follow along as we go. But before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time we have together to do all the things we do on Sunday mornings, whether it's pray or sing or catch up in the lobby or talk for a few minutes in the parking lot or take communion. All these things that we do, thank you for these privileges. But Lord, thank you for the privilege of your word uh, that we get not just on Sunday mornings, but really every day we have your word available to us. And so I pray that we would use these words in the way that you've given them to us to be used, to strengthen us and mature us and move us forward in our faith and in our mission. And I pray that for these words. Uh, As we said, we can often feel like Timothy, beaten down, burnt out, worn out. But Lord, I pray that you would give us strength to endure and strength to persevere. I pray that these words we read this morning specifically and the words of this sermon would help us in that way and would glorify you. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, starting in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So why would Timothy be ashamed of the testimony about Jesus? Well, for starters, the idea that the fullness of the one true eternal God dwelt among us in human flesh was just as absurd to many people back then as it is to many people today. Then you throw in the additional minor detail that this so-called son of God ended up getting crucified. And well, people weren't exactly Impressed. So let me get this straight. I'm supposed to worship the guy who was publicly executed in the most shameful way imaginable while taking your word for it that he rose from the dead, even though he isn't here anymore for me to see. A lot of people simply thought that was absurd. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 22 and 23, that the message of Christ crucified was a stumbling block and folly to Jews and Gentiles alike who didn't believe. 
What Paul calls the testimony about our Lord sounded ridiculous and silly to many who heard it. And in the face of all that pressure, Timothy may have found himself a bit ashamed of it, too. But why would Timothy be ashamed of Paul? As we said last week, Paul writes this letter from prison. Not exactly a place for winners in the eyes of the world. Chains in Rome is not the cool kids table in the cafeteria. Several years ago, President Donald Trump had a public dispute with the late Senator John McCain, whose survival of imprisonment and torture during the Vietnam War made him a hero in the eyes of many. And during their war of words, Trump infamously said of McCain, he was a war hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured. Trump later walked those words back, but the damage was already done. Many Christians in Timothy's day had a similar attitude. They liked their apostles not captured. They preferred their apostles free and clean and respectable, not chained and dirty and embarrassing. Many didn't want to be associated with a jailbird like Paul. And Timothy may have been tempted to agree. So Timothy may have found himself wavering in his loyalty to the testimony about Jesus and wavering in his loyalty to Paul. Neither was impressive in the eyes of the world. But Paul challenges Timothy to not be ashamed of Jesus' suffering on the cross. To not be ashamed of Paul's suffering in jail. Rather, Timothy should share in that suffering. He should share in suffering. Now, why in the world would anyone want to do that? Who in their right mind would voluntarily welcome suffering? Well, the person willing to share in suffering for the gospel is the person who believes the gospel. The person willing to share in suffering for the gospel is the person who believes the gospel. If verses 9 and 10 are true, if God really has saved us from sin and called us to a holy calling, if God really has done this not by our insufficient works, but because of his own eternal purpose and amazing grace given to us in Christ before the ages began, if God really has accomplished and announced all of this through one man, Jesus Christ, and if God really has abolished death and brought life and immortality to everyone who believes this crazy stuff, if you really believe this gospel, you will share in suffering for it. If you really think that this is all true, then being asked to suffer for it is not an unreasonable request. The person willing to share in suffering for the gospel is the person who believes the gospel. Paul believed every bit of it. 
And that's why he's not ashamed of any of it. Look at some of the words that Paul uses. He says he knows that it's true. He is convinced it is true. He's so sure of it that he's been a herald, an apostle, and a teacher of it for years now, even when it's led him into chains. Paul is so confident of this good news about Jesus that he is willing to suffer and die for it. And Paul knows that deep down, Timothy believes it too. Last week in verse 5, Paul spoke of Timothy's sincere faith. That's why Paul does not hesitate to issue Timothy this daunting challenge. The seemingly insane invitation of verse 8. Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. In verse 13, Paul calls Timothy to follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. The very words that led him to jail. Paul dares Timothy to follow him as he follows Christ because the gospel is worth suffering for. Paul knows it. Timothy knows it. So don't be ashamed of it. In short, Timothy finds himself at a crossroads. Is he going to embrace the testimony of the Lord Jesus or be ashamed of it? Is he going to follow Paul or disown Paul? Will Timothy take the narrow, less traveled path of faith and share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God? Or will he take the wide well-traveled road of unbelief for the sake of comfort, ease, and self-preservation. Timothy isn't the only one who's been confronted with that choice. He isn't the only one who has stood at that crossroads. Pick up in verse 15. Paul writes, You are aware, Timothy... That all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So many of the believers in Asia who were once unashamed of the gospel, who were once unashamed of Paul, have taken the wide, well-traveled, and easy road. Timothy had already heard that men like Phygelus and Hermogenes had done just that. You might say that Phygelus was fickle, And Hermogenes was weak in the knees. They turned away from Paul as he sat in chains. They withered at the prospect of suffering for the gospel. But then you have this other man, Onesiphorus. 
On the other hand, he went the other way. He was not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, which is why he continued to support Paul. He believed the gospel. He was willing to suffer for it, perhaps to the point of death. You may notice that Paul issues greetings to Onesiphorus's household and not Onesiphorus himself. In addition, Paul speaks of this man in the past tense. He may have already died. But why these examples, both good and bad? Why drop these names? Well, Paul is challenging Timothy to choose his path. Faith and suffering or unbelief and ease. Will you be like Figilus and Hermogenes or will you be like Onesiphorus? There is no middle way. To some degree, we face the same choice. We, too, stand at a crossroads. If you haven't noticed lately, holding fast to sound Christian teaching isn't exactly the ticket to worldly acceptance. Unashamedly taking the Bible seriously isn't the way to gain access to the most elite sectors of our society. To quote the old hymn, standing on the promises of God isn't the best strategy for securing or keeping Mainstream cultural approval. If you're looking to achieve or maintain power, prestige, and prosperity in the eyes of our quickly changing world, I would suggest something other than following Jesus. Now, it's true that we may never face the kind of persecution that Paul faced, that Timothy could face. Physical imprisonment, suffering, death. But the hardships we may confront for our faith are still quite real. And the pressure to disown it can still be quite intense. Someday we might pay high social, political, professional, or material costs to stand firm in the truth of the gospel. So like Timothy, we must make a choice. And it's better to start preparing now rather than waiting until our hand is forced. Will we be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord? Will we be ashamed of our fellow servants of the Lord? Or do we know and believe the gospel and are so convinced of it that we would share in suffering for it? Paul was. So was Onesiphorus. And where did that get them? Paul's in prison, writing his final letter, preparing to die. Legend has it that he was beheaded. Meanwhile, Onesiphorus may have beaten him to death. Figilus, Hermogenes, and many others caved. And maybe that allowed them to avoid condemnation for now. And if so, it appears that they made the better choice, at least in the short term. But what about eternity? Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the Holy Angels. So as we stand at this crossroads, what will we do as individuals and as a church? Will we be content to suffer for the gospel, unashamed, knowing in whom we have believed and convinced that God is able to guard us until the day we stand before him? Will we embrace Jesus's words from Matthew 5, 11 and 12, counting ourselves blessed when we are reviled, persecuted and slandered on account of him? Will we rejoice and be glad to join the saints who were persecuted before us? Will we follow in the footsteps of the apostles in Acts 5, 41, considering it a privilege to be dishonored for Jesus's name? Will we accept the callings in 1 Peter, imitating Jesus' example of endurance? Will we rejoice as we share in his sufferings, glorify God in his name, and entrust our souls to God as we press on in doing what is good? Or will we compromise? Will we capitulate? Will we cave? Like the seed in shallow, rocky ground, will we bend at the first trace of wind? Will we shrivel and die when the temperature rises? Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Paul says that those glorified with Christ are those willing to suffer with Christ. That's an intimidating passage, isn't it? Suffering is the true test of our faith. It's putting our money where our mouth is. Those verses ought to jar any humble, self-aware follower of Jesus. We should all have a healthy sense of fear at the prospect of persecution. Rather than some romantic idea of heroism or an arrogant assumption that we could never fall to it. We should recognize Paul's words to Timothy. That if we're going to rise to the occasion of sharing and suffering for the testimony about our Lord Jesus, we will do it by God's power, not our own. We'll do it through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, not by ourselves. But as intimidating as verses 16 and 17 are, then we get the beauty of the next verse, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing 
with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is not saying that the suffering won't really be all that bad. He knows how bad it can be. He's sitting in prison. Onesiphorus may have already died. You can't blame Timothy for being scared. But no matter how bad the suffering is, the glory that comes after is beyond compare. The pain is more than worth the gain. The eternal reward of standing with Jesus vastly outweighs the temporary risk of suffering with Jesus. So by God's power, may we all know, believe, and be convinced of the gospel. Willing to share in suffering for it, rather than being ashamed of it. The glory that awaits us is a small price to pay. Dying for the one who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light is a trade worth making every single time. So as we stand at this crossroads, as individual believers and as a church, may we choose our path wisely. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the gospel. As we suffer, it's so easy to cower with timidity, with fear, rather than living in a spirit of power and love and self-control. It's easy to be ashamed. It's easy to be quiet. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and not rock the boat and go along to get along. But I pray that you would strengthen us to not do that. Strengthen us to know and believe in you without shame, without embarrassment, to boldly, publicly follow you and speak of you and obey you and worship you. Knowing that even if we must suffer for the gospel, it is so, so, so worth it. So Lord, strengthen us. Give us courage to not be ashamed of you, to not be ashamed of your word, to not be ashamed of our brothers and sisters in Christ, to not sell our birthright in eternity for the sake of comfort and ease and approval in the world. Strengthen us, Lord, for our good and for your glory. Fill us with your spirit so that we can persevere and press on. We love you. We praise you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.